Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we talk with one of our open space therapists or LGBTQ community member about mental health and building community. I am your host, Renee Johnson, they, them. Founder of Open Space Therapy Collective, I'm a licensed therapist and an art therapist. I specialize in working with queer artists who are exploring their gender identity and recovering from complex trauma. As we dive into today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast and we will talk about sensitive issues. If you would like to be informed of any trigger warnings, please read the podcast description. Y'all, I am so excited about today's episode. We have a guest with us, Kang Kampian, he, him, who is an incredible creative leader in our community. We had a great conversation about the growth of compassion and how to bring that into creative leadership. Uh, It really um, hit my heart, and I'm sure it will for you, too. Kane has been working at Disneyland Resort for over 25 years as a dancer, performer, and most recently as a maintenance choreographer. He has served with the board of directors for OC Pride for 15 years. His work has been featured throughout many of Southern California's Pride celebrations, Disneyland, local schools, and most recently, and I'm so proud of him, uh, choreographed for the first Pride celebration at Disneyland, inaugural Pride night event last June. That's huge um, to bring our community to a Disneyland event like this. Kane has taken his passion for dance and mental health awareness to help grow a support system within the LGBTQAI community along with his previous service as director on the OC Pride board. I am so excited to hear what you all think. Let's dive in. Uh, welcome to My Therapist is Out. This is an open space therapy collective podcast. We are so lucky. Uh, we have Kang Kangpian with us here today. Um, and I'm so excited to talk to you um, about all the work that you've been doing, both as a performer and with mental health. Um, and so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Renee. Really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for our listeners, can you introduce yourself? Sure thing. Um, again, I'm Kane Kongpian. Um, I am a resident of Orange County, California. Um, I'd like to say born and raised, but I've been re- born and raised in Southern California all of my life. But I'd say spent the latter part of my life in um, Orange County. Uh, currently work at a very famous theme park, uh, you know, in Anaheim, <laughs> uh, where I work as a maintenance choreographer. Um, I've been here with the company for about 24 years. I've worn several hats, but the newest hat I have on is as a choreographer. That's awesome. Um, how, in this very famous, um, will not be named, uh, amusement park, what, what does a maintenance choreographer do? I haven't, I haven't heard that before. Not be, I'm not a performer, so I'm so excited to learn more about your world. It's actually a very unique role. Um, it's something that was developed, I want to say, probably 25, 30 years ago. Um, it's, in other performance venues, it's it's basically what a line captain would do, like in a, on a Broadway mm. tour or um, that sort of theater setting. Um, so it's a lot of that where we make sure that we keep the quality and uh, intention of any show and the choreography um, just as a show director or choreographer set. So on the daily, we're here, um, you know, checking on show quality, make sure that 
all of our performers are doing exactly as we maybe taught them or were directed to do as such um, on a daily basis and to make sure that they are delighting our guests as well. That's awesome. That sounds like such a fun and engaged space and like world to be a part of. Yeah, no, definitely. I, it's, it's amazing. The more and more I've gone into, I've been in the role for about six years now and um, it's, crazy how much we see different people on a regular basis so i think that's wow. what's kind of exciting is it you know tomorrow if i could be working on a you know atmosphere type shift where i'm watching a lot of the talent that we bring um, out to kind of bring the different areas to life where um, the next day i could be working on a really big parade or a stage show um, so i get to see a plethora of people and you know work with different personalities and inspire and motivate as best as I can each day. That's so cool. How did you get into this work? It feels so niche and such a like desirable position to be in. Um, it's, I actually came out to uh, an audition for this theme park um, about 20, a little more than 25 years ago. Actually, I was still in high school, I think. I had a friend that dragged me out. Oh, wow. Said, you gotta come to this audition. I was like, okay. I wasn't even old enough for them to hire me, but I went through the whole process <laughs> and, you know, didn't make it and came back a few more times and finally, you know, was uh, cast, as we say in the entertainment world, um, and started as a performer. And I walked into my very first rehearsal and saw this role that I'm in now, um, mm -hmm. doing, teaching all these different things, you know, because you have multiple choreographers that are teaching multiple routines um, on a, any given rehearsal. And then once the parade goes live, you know, you're looking at, oh, well, this dancer position's open, that dancer position's open, who's going to do it? And they're figuring out that giant puzzle of how do we fill all those open holes? And I just was intrigued and enamored by the whole process. And I said, you know, I'm going to do that someday. Um, performed for a very, very long time, moved into different types of roles behind the scenes, you know, kind of on the production side of stuff. Um, never quite getting to this position, I actually interviewed for the role um, probably like 15 years into my career um, here and mm. didn't get it. Um, and then several years later, they were looking again and I said, well, let's see what happens. And here I am. So yeah. that's so cool. It's such, um, such a unique position to be in to like start at a start in a career and see something that you want in the future and be like, I'm going to keep my eye on that and keep working towards that. When did you know that you were a performer? I feel like that's such a um, a special disposition to be. I feel like it was early on. Um, both my parents are immigrants. Uh, my dad is Thai, my mom is Mexican. So they both came over here, uh, different parts of their life. I think my mom came over when she was actually maybe, just before she was a teenager. Um, I think my dad came over when he was much older. Uh, I think he might've been his early adulthood. Um, mm. So like many immigrants, just fell in love with everything about you know american entertainment so i can remember from an early on them getting dressed up on the weekend to go down to la to see a show and they tell me all about this show they were gonna go see like i vividly remember them going to see cats i think it was <laughs> and you know every weekend there'd be some rogers and hammerstein musical playing on the tv or they'd buy me a record for like the Grease soundtrack and I 
reenact all those scenes from you know any of those shows those movies um and i just fell in love with that and i remember just putting on shows in my living room for family and with my cousins we'd make video uh, music videos um i directed and i choreographed it for them okay we're gonna do this and you know um and i didn't realize that that was like actually something like you could like pursue um you know in your teen years so then i got into high school and introduced to all sorts of stuff choir and theater and just did it all and i cheered in high school as well so it was you know just high school is like this like whoa you can do all this stuff like that's great i didn't realize <laughs> that i just bit by the bug ever since and dove into college and just studied everything i could to learn more and more about it all um, which was an amazing experience and prepared me to get to where i'm at now yeah that's amazing like being able to like start pulling the thread of like oh i can do this performance thing oh and that leads to music and that leads to cheer and that leads to dance and that like just being able to keep diving in that's such a beautiful process yeah it's been it's been an amazing process for sure it's interesting how it all comes together you know taking small mm -hmm. tidbits of you know um when i was in college they really emphasized that we learned all the behind the scenes stuff so it wasn't just going to be you're going to be an actor you're going to be a dancer they said, no, you're going to figure out how to make the costumes, how to build the sets, how to direct, how to stage manage, how to design the lights. So, um, which was, again, just fascinating to see it all broken down in those different steps. So coming to work here and being able to be so close to those different components to help put on any one show really just kind of gave you that appreciation for those different types of um, crafts and um, and then those folks that are working in those uh, positions help get us out there. So it definitely, uh, like you said, it's been a beautiful journey to kind of bring it all together. Cool. What, at the beginning of your career and like coming out of college and, and coming to um, the um, theme park, what was that emotional experience like for you? Because that's, that's a huge shift. Yeah. It, I kind of feel like when I first kind of got here, you know, just kind of wide eyed, you know, about everything and just seeing the different walks of life, you know, you're working with and in college, you know, it's such a small program in theater and dance so you become a family. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a very comfortable space. And then you come to a larger venue, like a theme park or whether it's a theater, uh, you know, outside of was it a community or even a large theater um, and there's just a lot more people more than mm -hmm. just a dance or theater program right so it I feel like I just kind of took everything in you know and it was I, I know a lot of people kind of equate their college experience to be like that big open up my world like all the different people that you come across and I think because I was so dedicated to theater and dance that I never saw anyone beyond theater and dance but coming <laughs> here I was like whoa like this is this is fascinating. I just I kind of a I'm a people watcher. So I, you know, just kind of go, this is great. Like watching just some folks very comfortable in their skin, some not and or watching people, you know, kind of just going through different chapters in their life. And then eventually we start to see that family being created, you know, because mm -hmm. now the people you were performing with are getting married. And now they're having kids. And so now you're being part of all those different pieces. So now it's just the whole exposure of that just you're seeing different people go through different parts of their lives. So just, yeah, it was kind of a really fascinating um, 
tapestry, if you will, kind of coming together to, you know, see how life happens for just not me, but for other people. Yeah. I mean, like the community piece of it and that like collabor collaboration piece of it is so important. And I think such a beautiful thing about, about what you do is that it's so intrinsically involved and there's the people doing the choreography and the performers engaging with each other and the set designers and the fact that everybody needs and relies on and is inspired by each other through the process is such a, a beautiful way to to move about a career and move about a world and really allow yourself to develop and grow while you're witnessing it with your peers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I was recently worked on a project that took me away from this particular little theme park um, to work with another subsidiary um, that they work on um over the ocean and uh in that setting even more so that exact collaboration community that you mentioned was even more evident which just mm. again for me that's those are environments that i thrive in getting to see mm -hmm. where it's someone's maybe it's i don't want to say that they're simply failing but you know they're having a tough time you know getting their parts of the project uh, you know uh taken care of or, or just getting it finished for the next you know, you know, to present the production, um, but everyone's just like, okay, how do we pull in together and, and get this figured out? And, uh, you know, how do we work together? There's no egos, you know, everyone's like, okay, well, great. You've got this to offer. You've got that to offer. Now, how do we make this all work? And it's, it's fascinating to see when you're in those settings and just how everyone thrives and you kind of get the sense that their mental peace or their mental awareness is in a better place than perhaps mm -hmm. in an environment where Maybe they're being beaten down by their leader or they don't feel inspired or they're getting into their heads really easily about oh maybe this isn't the right you know opportunity for me maybe i'm not doing as well as i thought i was but so to see that um happen is is amazing i think i've always been lucky to see that happen in like the theater dance world where you know it takes that collaboration that community to really come together and it's you know, even more rewarding at the end of the day when you are able to open up a show and go, boom, here we go, we're doing this. And it's it's just going on up and up from there. Yeah. How have you taken, like through this, this process, how have you taken care of your own mental health? Like where you were at the beginning of your career to where you are now is very different. Like you're starting out in a new role to now you're, a, it's a big leadership role where a lot of people are really looking to you. Um, and so I'm assuming that you need different types of like mental health care and self-care through that process. Absolutely. Um, it's, I actually started seeing a therapist um, twice a month. Uh, I think actually it was shortly after I came into this role. You know, I think mm -hmm. I kind of did what a lot of people often do in their younger, you know, their more, uh, multiple years where you find a friend to talk to and you vent and have that and i think i quickly started to learn that some friends either gave you the advice that you weren't quite looking for not that it wasn't good advice but that it was kind of like just get over it let it go kind of yeah. advice which is never helpful and some of the worst <laughs> words you could probably tell someone who was dealing with something yeah. big yeah um so I started to see a therapist because um, I, I do have children um, and mm -hmm. I started to see how my upbringing was influencing how I parent them. Mm -hmm. And I said, mm, this isn't good. 
I don't want them to go through what I'm going through. I don't want them to be in their 40s and going to therapy (laughs) 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 because of me. Uh, So I started seeing a therapist twice a month. Uh, I think it was in 2018. Mm -hmm. And um, then the world shut down. Thankfully, my therapist kept um, our uh, sessions going via phone, uh, which was wonderful. And when I finally got the call to come back to work about a year after the shutdown, I heavily relied on those two sessions to the point where I was almost tempted to call for supplementary sessions mm. because I realized things were very different coming to work. I, you know, I think for a lot of people, you know, not just the fear of, you know, having COVID, but just everyone's mental space was in a different place, right? You know, yeah. and I think you were finding out what was really important in your life. You know, people were losing people, you know, family members or friends um, to this illness and all sorts of things, or you're coming into an environment where maybe you didn't feel as supported, or maybe you felt like your leaders were trying to be supportive, but didn't know what were the best tools to help you. So mm-hmm. um, I think going through my own uh, journey with therapy allowed me to come in at the very least, if I didn't feel like, that was helping me that I could take what I was going through in my therapy and help apply it with um, the performers I was working with. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember vividly, we were working on a brand new show um, shortly after we came back to work and I just knew I wasn't in the best place. I think I sat in my car and cried before I got into work. I just didn't know what to do. I just felt like I was lost. And so um, I, had led um, my performers into what we call a warm-up routine to get our bodies ready for, you know, learning choreography. And something clicked and said, let's meditate. Mm. And I started calling it this, our wellness warm-up. And I just had everyone close their eyes. And mind you, I don't, I think I might've listened to one meditation, like (laughs) over, you know, the closure. I just, I just started talking and saying, you know, breathe me, inhale, exhale. And I walked in through this whole routine. I think we did it for about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And at the end, everyone just kind of looked, everyone in the room, not just performers, but you had, you know, stage managers and, um, you know, other managers of types going, wow, I needed that. Like, thank yeah. you. So, I realized that I had to help create this environment where we, even if for a moment, could temporarily release what wasn't going to serve us, but Mm -hmm. focus on what we had in front of us. And that was that community. Mm -hmm. Um, And it got us through, you know, the opening of the show, but it also got us through transitioning back to work. Um, And I remember sending out an email to, very large amount of leaders and said, things aren't okay. What are we gonna do to help with everyone's mental health? And Mm -hmm. I got a lot of responses. Some I was not so good responses uh, because, you know, for some mental health isn't a priority, you know? And, but for me, it was going to be. So if I couldn't get these other leaders to influence how we could serve our, um employees 
um, and recognize their mental health needs, then I was going to do the best that I could every single day. So every single day until we opened that show, I led them through this meditation. And I encouraged them every day after that, find five minutes for yourself and just clear your space of anything that you don't need and, you know, take in what you know you do need, you know. And I, it's a practice I still do now. Um, you know, I trying to find different ways to change it up a bit because I'm realizing the different things that people need, you know, mm -hmm. I, I alone, uh, not just doing like the breathing exercises, but now I tell them, okay, tell yourself three affirmations. You don't hear enough in your life mm -hmm. or tell yourself something you think you, you don't even tell yourself enough, you know? And I, I've had people come up to me and say, thank you. Like, yeah, I, I, I was actually going to start crying. I say, great. I encourage you to cry next time because that's your mm -hmm. body's way of releasing some of that stuff that yeah. you're holding on to. And so it's, yeah. So it, it's, it's been amazing to take something as simple as me having a, a vent session with my therapist, you know, for an hour and going, okay, well, how do I use that as a tool to help others that I'm with? And, um, you know, it's been amazing. And I mean, it's something that I, that is now identifiable, you know, mm -hmm. about me. And I have, you know, colleagues that go, you know, you're so great about how you talk to everybody and how mm -hmm. you try to make sure they feel seen or heard. You know, even if I don't necessarily agree with what they're going through um, or if it somehow impacted their work, um, it, it at least gives them a space to figure out what's going on. Or as uh, one of my favorite leaders told me, it gets you the uh, root to the fruit. You know, so you're peeling back those layers of the onion and going, oh, okay, this is what's at the center of this all. Okay, great. Now let's move forward. Oh, this wasn't about work. Oh, this is about the trauma you're dealing with at home. Okay, great. How can we get you the help that you need um, to get through that? And then next thing you know, their performance at work has completely changed because yeah. someone finally goes, what's wrong here? What's, yeah. what's going on? I mean, that's so beautiful and so important and like such like I just want to give you props because if more leaders took the moment to like check in and be like I think my team's struggling and like offer them some space and some support like our world would be such a different place and so to take that into such a performance space in such a big corporation and be like I don't if it's too bad that some other leaders don't have this a priority. It's a priority for me and it's a priority for my team. And I'm seeing the impact that this is having. Um, that's, that's beautiful. Thank you. How were you able to kind of click into that intuition that that's what was needed at that time? Because going from, you know, starting therapy and then the whole world shuts down and then kind of coming back, everybody is really raw and pretty frazzled. Like, how were you able to, to really catch that intuition, like, hey, I think other people need this too, and be resourced enough for yourself to be able to provide that space. Honestly, I mean, it really started as something that I needed. You know, I it, I think the very first time I, I took that leap to say, well, I, let's meditate together, it was more of what I needed in the moment because I needed mm -hmm. to clear my head because my team was looking to me to lead them through this very real, raw 
um, show that was taking real moments in time to present this new performance to, you know, our guests. And I knew that I needed to be in a space to help them lead, lead them through the, all of that. So I had to clear my head and go, I'm not okay. This is what I need. So a lot of times I, the words that come out of my mouth and it's, it's not scripted. It's just, I'm just saying whatever comes to mind or comes to my heart. And I feel more often than not, it's what I needed to hear, you know, in that mm -hmm. moment. Um, I, it's funny. There have been a few times very, and I can nearly count them on one hand where I chose to close my eyes and meditate with them. Mm -hmm. And I would walk away feeling like either exactly the way I felt when we started or worse, because I realized that it was therapeutic for me to just lead them through that meditation, through that release. So it, again, it was, I think it was that conversation with myself. I, I kind of think of those moments when maybe you're having a conversation with a friend or, you know, uh, an acquaintance and they kind of come to you unknowingly, um, kind of having an unofficial therapy session with you and you give them some words of advice. And after you reflect on the, what you had given them to think on and you think, whoa, I actually needed to hear that. So it wasn't yeah. so much a chance opportunity for me to help this person get through what they were going through. Perhaps it was the universe going, no, we sent that person here because you needed to hear those words and we, you need to hear those words coming out of your own mouth. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's just, I just take my own, I, I guess in a, it's almost like a, in a weird, selfish way, I take what I need mm -hmm. um, to help others figure out what they need. And, you know, a lot of times I think it's just building that safe space for people to go, oh, he gets it. Let's, I'm going to go to him next time something's going on. And, you know, like I mentioned before, a lot of times when I have frustrated, you know, um, employees coming to me about things, um, I go, hey, let's take a moment. Let's pause. What's the, what's really going on here? Mm -hmm. Is this about like this? costume piece that doesn't work is it really about this weird new protocol that management is asking you to do or is there something else going on because i feel like mm -hmm. something else is ha happening here and because i built this trust with them they just word vomit and i go okay there that's where it is you know yeah. so i think it, it goes back to that community that we talked about earlier um, just building that trust so people know that there's somewhere someone to go to you know when i leave my performers to that meditation. And I always leave it open to anyone in the room. You know, obviously my focus is on the performers because that's what I'm there for. But I say anyone else in the room is, is you know, um, able to participate, whatever you need. And I will literally watch the, you know, production team mm -hmm. stop what they're doing and go through that. You know, I had a, a, a gentleman who um, definitely on the support side of things come up to me one time and said, hey, I'm so glad you do this and that you've opened this up for people because I just lost my dad about a week ago and I needed that. And it's amazing that my leaders never saw that what I needed and you're the choreographers, which whom I have nothing to do with other than supporting your performers. Um, yeah. But you gave me this opportunity and you opened up a space where I could go through what I need to go through and release what I need to release. And thank you for that. And, 
-hmm. it, it just so it's amazing how just creating that space and that sense of community and trust can do be more impactful than just even the conversation alone right it's one mm -hmm. thing to offer someone advice and say hey yeah sure i'll be in here for you or whatever you need or shoulder to cry on but sometimes it's just feeling like okay i'm safe here yeah it's so it's so important and i'm going to push back on the selfish thing because when we're in these communities and when we're building these communities and we're building this trust our experience is so interconnected even if it's you know a production person who you don't overlap with a lot just by working together and sharing the space the trust continues to get built and people see how you treat other people and that shared experience when you do spend so much time together and so much time in the same projects in the same creative space you you ebb and flow with each other in a way that i don't know if there's any like smarty science way to say it but it's it happens all of the time and it's so important and when we have leaders like yourself who open that space who are consistent about it who take the time these spaces become really beautiful and part of that is being like oh i need this and so i'm i'm aware of my own needs and insights and so i know what i i need to be a good leader in the space and i guarantee you half that room also needs that same thing um if not the whole room um and it's just it's such an important thing such an important thing to do um, and you have to be vulnerable enough to be able to say, I need something to be able to provide it. Absolutely. You hit a trigger word in the best possible way for me, and that was vulnerability. And I mm -hmm. remember um, right before, I want to say it was either right 2019 or so, um, you know, I'd been in therapy for a year already. And, you know, we have a note session after a performance, you meet with your cast and you give them whatever notes and whatnot. And I would have these, end up going into what um, my performers would um, endearingly call Papa Kane sessions. And mm. all of a sudden I would just start, I'd give them like, you know, oh, don't forget it's on counts this seven, eight, or it's don't forget to point your toes and all this. And then somehow I'd go into something whether I would address something going on in the world or something going around just here at the workplace, because that's part of it is, you know, sometimes we ignore what's happening around us and don't address it. And I was like, is anyone going to address the elephant in the room? No, just me. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and, or I just would kind of touch on what was happening. But I think a lot of that was coming up as a result of the therapy I was going through. And I remember finally opening up to my cast of performance say, I was really struggling and I said, I'm, it's really hard for me to be here right now. I'm really going through a tough part of my life. Um, I'm falling into one of my depression eras again. And um, being here with you all is what's kind of helping me get through my day, but it's super tough. And mm -hmm. by the way, I've been seeing a therapist for, you know, for the last year and a half now, twice a month. And, you know, I encourage you all to do the same if you feel like you're in a place where you're stuck and, you know, just take a moment. You know, this is why it's important for you to treat each other with kindness and respect. You don't know what people are going through. And 
I had the amount of people that came up to me and go, I would never have guessed that you have been struggling with depression or you're always such a light for all of us. So I can't believe that you, or I've been seeing a therapist and I haven't been open about it. And you've now allowed me to freely talk about it because if Kane's seen a therapist, well, then it's okay now because, <laughs> you know, you would have thought it was like, you know, Britney Spears probably came out and said, oh, by the way, I've you know, <laughs> been seeing a therapist for the last, you know, 18 years, you know, um, but it, that vulnerability really, when they say their strength of vulnerability, it, it's really true, you know, and a lot of, you know, the people I get to work with on a daily basis, we talk about that. And I am, you know, very vulnerable about, you know, those things. And I, because I think it's important because mm-hmm. it's, otherwise we go back to what we were raised and that's push the feelings down, ignore that or stop crying. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, boys don't cry or, you know, this isn't the time and place to cry about this kind of thing. And it's like, no, I think that's, that's exactly why we're, where we're at now, you know, yeah. um, as a result of all, you know, the suppression of those feelings or, not recognizing what's the struggles people are going through. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like the amount of, I mean, now even in my 40s, the amount of like my, um, the toxic sayings from my parents of, you know, don't cry, I'll give you something to cry about, stop it. Like all of that, just put your head down stuff. I still, I'm 41, however old I am at this point, it's still there. And it's still something that you're like, nope, that is a toxic thing that from a boomer era that I don't, I don't need and have to continue to actively be like, no, I'm going to go be vulnerable. No, I'm going to admit how I'm feeling. Um, And it's tough to really push against that a lot. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like your, your leadership and your, your career space has changed quite a bit since since starting therapy and really bringing that in and it's interesting to me that you you went in being like oh i'm seeing my kids take on some of my stuff and my parenting i don't want to do that and then you're having papa cane sessions at, at work what are you seeing in your in your kids or in your your parenting style that's shifted i definitely have a lot more patience that's for sure you know, because I, I, I allowed them to give them to have that space. You know, just the other night, you know, we had to have a very serious conversation with my son, who, my older son, who isn't doing well in school, you know, first year of high school. So there's those struggles and just having to mm-hmm. be a more independent person. Um, and I am, you wouldn't be able to tell from this conversation, but um, when I get very passionate about a topic, my voice elevates and gets louder <laughs> and louder, which can often be misperceived as being angry, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not the case. It's just the fire within me is just so is building because I just want so badly to help someone, whether it's my my own child or a friend or a colleague or whatever the case is. And so my voice gets higher and higher, and, you know, louder and louder. And I have to find myself going back and maybe just not feeling the need to respond and just asking those questions to help prompt that open conversation. Is there Mm -hmm. something else that's really going on? Is someone bothering you at school? Are you being bullied? Or, you know, you know, I have two teenagers. It's like, okay, is there something deep down inside that maybe you're not comfortable with right now that you feel you want to talk to us about, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and it's like, no, I just don't have motivation. Okay, well, great. But you know, if there's anything else that you know come to terms with at this moment. You have the you have the floor. You have a safe mm-hmm. space here. You know, we love you no matter what. You know, yeah. and um, but it's just trying to find those um, moments to just keep the environment safe and positive mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to kind of keep that again that trust and you know even that yeah. sense of community within family you know um, so patience all that to say patience has been my biggest <laughs> um, you know when I, I encourage all my kids to show their emotions and feel what they're mm-hmm. feeling I do tell them you know if you're angry you're hurt you're upset you're overjoyed, whatever the case is you're feeling. Feel all those emotions, every single one of them. However, I'm gonna encourage you to pause before you choose to react Mm -hmm. because you don't want those emotions to fuel your response and how you feel or how you wanna approach the situation. You know, there's a difference between being reactive or responsive and you Mm -hmm. probably wanna be responsive, not reactive because, you know, you're. If you're being reactive, you're using those emotions you're feeling in that moment to fuel that reaction yeah. versus taking a pause, releasing, you know, exhaling and going, okay, how do I respond to this? You know, mm-hmm. um, or there are times even I tell when I'm talking to my older son specifically, it's like, hey, can you look at me? You know, mm-hmm. will you look me in the eyes, please? And rather than having the whole conversation like buried into the pillow and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I, you know, because I don't want them to feel like they have to hide themselves in order to have this vulnerable emotional conversation. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because I'm definitely a product of don't cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Or, mm-hmm. you know, boys don't cry and, you know, stop crying. That You know, there's no reason to cry. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, my youngest wasn't feeling well the other day. And, you know, um, very lucky in so many regards. <laughs> to have my parents live with us and they're older, you know, they're in their seventies and eighties. Um, so they live with us and, um, you know, sometimes they, well, more so my mom, you know, will let out one of the old, mm. ah, stop crying, stop crying, stop crying, boys don't cry. And I look over at her the other day and I said, you know, you really have to stop telling them to not cry. I said, they're obviously upset, let them cry. You yeah. know, even if it's for, you know, I mean, my eight-year-old, sure, might cry for something that's traumatic or triggering for him at that moment mm-hmm. because he's an eight-year-old, not because mm-hmm. he's going through some crazy emotional piece, or maybe he is, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, but let him feel that in that moment, and then I can, you know, decipher whether it's like, hey, were you upset because of this, or were you upset because of that? You know, yeah. we can kind of have that conversation and shift that perspective and um, and everything. So, yeah, just, again, patience and trying to erase some of those mm-hmm. old boomer, you know, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to use a fancy word, but I could think of it, but just those <laughs> boomer tendencies, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we don't need to be in the boomer era, you know, let's bring it okay. to the now, you know? Yeah. Um, how did your mom respond? I'm so curious. You know, she kind of does a, she kind of ignores it, but 
I think she more so ignores my response to her, but will respect what I said and try not to say anything down the line. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there was a, a a moment with my older son um, a few years ago. You know, it's uh, for myself. In you, you know, I as a teenage boy in my pubescent years, where you know you get some of that extra weight onto you. And then <laughs> as you start to get taller or your activity increases, you know, maybe you lose some of that, you know, mm-hmm. softness in your body. And um, my son was kind of going through that and my mom, and it's, I don't know if it's necessarily a boomer thing or if it's, you know, her growing up as a Mexican woman, but, you know, calling out, your uh curviness or soft parts or Mm. you know um is somewhat of an endearing thing you know um so my mom would make comments about my son's weight you know Mm. and and i finally had to turn to her and, and say you know he doesn't like when you say that i know you're not you don't mean anything bad about it um but he doesn't like it. It really bothers him and it hurts him. And it was almost me speaking up for myself 30 years ago, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, my, one of my mom's pet names for me growing up was baby Huey. And I don't know if you remember baby. Huey. I do. Yeah. Yeah. One of those old cartoons that very large, I think he was supposed to be a duck, but I don't know, but he was a larger than life stuck uh mm-hmm. you know and you know it just I yeah um you know and sometimes my other nickname would be fatty and again it was a term of endearment but you know when you're going through those yeah points in your life and you're just like is there something wrong with me should I look yeah. a certain way but you know and so a little triggering so I had to ask her to you know hey that really bothers him now I think you mm-hmm. can you can find other ways to you know joke with him or mm-hmm. show him that you love him if you will or other terms of endearment mm-hmm. you know um and so she she understood you know and she let it go and she you know has never made any comments like that again so um awesome. which was actually you know interesting because I wish I would have felt that way 30 plus years ago, then I maybe wouldn't have nearly as many of the (laughs) (laughs) issues that I've grown up with, but. Yeah, but you know, when you're, my heart goes out to every teenager that is existing right now and all the the old teenagers and the younger teenager selves in us, Um, because there's so, it's such a huge life change. Your body is changing so much. Your hormones are changing so much. Your reality is changing so much. What's expected of you is changing so much. And it's such a hard place and you rely so heavily on your family and your teachers and your and your friends to like figure out where reality is because on any given day it's completely shifted. And so, you know, teens don't don't know all the time when to be like, okay, mom's saying something about how I look, what does that mean? Like that's naturally gonna be what's happened instead of being like, that hurts my feelings, don't do that. 
it's really as an adult where we can be able to be like, oh, that that wasn't cool. So to be able now to be stand up for your son and be like, mom, don't do that and have her respond and be like, okay, and not do it anymore is, is so empowering for everybody. Like your mom now can relate more sweetly with your son. Your son's not going to question himself so much. And you're able to heal some of that like inner teenager for yourself. Um, it's such a big deal. Yeah. Oh, I agree. So to shift a little bit, um, okay. I heard that uh, you were a part of the first uh, theme park Pride Night uh, recently, which is a huge deal. Yeah. Congratulations. How was Thank that experience you. doing you the know. very first one? You know, it it was a full circle moment for me. So a little history. Um, since I was a performer, you know, 25 years ago, um, I had an opportunity to um, dance in my first Pride Parade um, mm. with some other performers here. And it was something they did. They had an unofficial group that they put together and did exactly what we, you know, had been doing, being paid for over at this thing park um, and danced down the parade. Um, and it was such an interesting um, an amazing opportunity all those years ago, um, you know, because when I was at high school, you know, no one ever talked if they were, you know, identified as queer or, you know, um, that was very taboo still in the 90s, right? And, um, you know, going into college, just a little bit more self-expression freedoms there, but, um, and then coming to work, you know, in a live, you know, theater type of setting where, everyone's living their best life and they identify as what they identify as and no one questions it. And um, you get to be part of this celebration. And they're like, hey, you wanna dance in this parade with us? I said, absolutely. Who doesn't wanna just dance to do what we do? And it's not to, you know, super high energy, you know, cheery music. It's to like something that's top 40s or whatever that's iconic in, you know, music at that time. Um, and, I'd done that for a few years just as a performer. And then I had an opportunity to actually choreograph for my very first Pride Parade um, with this unofficial work group, um, which eventually turned into me uh, being approached to help create a parade um, element for the Orange County Pride organization um, back in 2010, I think it was. So um, I was approached, said, hey, we heard you do this. Would you like to come join us? And I said, absolutely. So something a little bit more official and um, got to take some of my world famous entertainment theme park friends and said, hey, you want to come dance with me in this, these pride parades? Like not have to worry about what we're wearing or what we're dancing to. And they said, absolutely. So um, yeah, so I've been doing that for, oh gosh, 15 years and here I am as a choreographer and I was approached, said, hey, we have this event going on, it's pretty big. We understand you've, this is something you've done before on the outside, think this would be something you're interested in? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of, um, I don't wanna say sealed the deal, but like it just, again, it was a full circle moment because we had taken something that we 
had done unofficially, not quite representing the establishment work we worked for, but taking a community that wanted representation, could feel they could express their individuality, because that wasn't so much a thing back in the 90s and early 2000s, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, where you, your place of work, you're wearing all the same costumes and no, everyone's hair looks the same. There's, you know, all those things in the hair, you're doing this and we're celebrating different individuality. We're saying, sure, you want to put on makeup for this event, put on makeup, you know, and these costumes are going to be fun and you're going to feel good in them. And it's maybe something you feel comfortable and identify with. And it's just such, I, I don't know. It, it's, it took me a really long time to come off of the high of that event because mm. it meant so much to me. Uh, with all the work that I had been doing with Orange County Pride for over 10 years, um, almost 15. I kind of forget my my older son was born <laughs> when I was approached to, to join the organization. And but I'd also been performing in these parades for 20 years, you know, um, so it's just just such an amazing experience to share and, you know, um, having obviously attended many pride celebrations and being on the board of directors with OC pride, putting on our local, you know, pride festival as well to, to walk into a space and just see families in tears and not just families, you know, Mm. just adults, all these guests in tears of joy watching, you know, um, this pride, parade, if you will, inside a theme park and mm-hmm. feeling safe, feeling like they could come to a place and express themselves, not be judged. And, you know, I just, it was amazing. I, I remember I took the longest walks I could just to walk up and down the parade route to see guests before it started, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of seeing everyone and see how happy they were and celebrating that. And I just, smile back at people and you know running into friends that had been part of the company years ago that have come to be at this inaugural event and you know for them to see that i was part of it and they go oh my gosh of course you were part of this like this is iconic this is so great like thank god you know um it's just such a fulfilling event um to be part of and like i said it took me a good couple months to come off of that high like i don't know i could have been asked to choreograph something for the president and I would have been all okay yeah just because this was such a uh, a project that was so near near and dear to my heart you know being involved within the community for as long as I have been and like I said you know taking what maybe wasn't a company sanctioned opportunity and now mm-hmm. it being recognized by our company it just you know I, I think of all the other companies that when they get to march down a pride parade, you know, representing mm-hmm. themselves, you know, and who identify, you know, because a lot of us, we identify with where we work now, right? Especially yeah. you've been there forever. You want to celebrate that pride and who you are. And it just, that was kind of my moment of going like, okay, great. This is the work I've been doing and I get to be part of this and, mm-hmm. and represent that here, you know, officially. So yeah. it's pretty, pretty amazing. That's Uh, I'm going to cry just hearing it. Like, it's so powerful to have the the spaces that we have built community in and spend our creative resources in 
say, okay, hey, we're going to honor, we're going to honor this, we're going to honor this community, and we we want you to really be a part of that and make and make that happen because we we see you and we see everything that you've been doing, and it's important that you're a part of it. Like, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it it really was. I just I remember talking to people about it, and you know, I seen many friends that have left the company since who were with me all those years dancing in those pride parades and you know like it was just kind of reminiscing about what we did back then to seeing it now become this major event was um yeah it was pretty amazing i i yeah i i feel like i i'm at a loss for words you know other than amazing because yeah i, I just it's just it, yeah, it, yeah, it was something that just, it worked out and I, I still can't believe that I was part of that because, and I don't think people realize, you know, I did my social media posts about it and, you know, kind of saying I've been part of these celebrations for mm -hmm. over two decades. You know, I've been part of a board of directors for, you know, two thirds of that and, you know, getting to say that now this has been my official work and not some volunteer work I've been doing for a nonprofit or just mm -hmm. for fun. Hey guys, we're, you know, I need some dancers for this, but it's volunteer, you know, it's just to see it all actually happen. It's just come to fruition. It just, it's, it was absolutely amazing. And I just, the emotions I saw and I had former board members or current board members reach out to me. They were in attendance and said, Oh my gosh, I, I, I can't believe this. Like, this is fantastic. I love that. That's, it, I mean, I think especially with everything that's happening now and has been, um, especially with all the, like, anti-trans bills and all, like, people trying to provoke gay marriage and all of this, like, backsliding that's happening to have a space like this. Um, be like, no, we're we're gonna put on a big official pride and it's gonna be the first one and we don't care that all of this like horrible bigotry is happening. Like this is important. Um and this community is important. It's, it's it gives with everything politically that's happening right now. It's it's stuff like that that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I could talk to you for another hour. I can't believe an hour has gone by already. Um, if people want to find you or connect with you, where do they, where can they reach you at? Um, I, you know, I'm probably close to that boomer age. I keep my social media pretty <laughs> like chill. Like, you know, I mean, I'm on the Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Most of my accounts are private, but you know, if someone's really reaching out, wants to connect, I'm happy to be there. But um, on Instagram, I'm at Papa Kane seventy eight, and um, on Facebook, I'm just Kane Kongfian. So, um, but yeah, that's all I really do. I think I have a LinkedIn if they really want to find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, awesome, great. Well, I'm sure people will really connect to to what you have to say, and um, they want to see your choreographed work. There's always a theme park in Anaheim that they can come see the results of your creativity. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you're still part of the OC Pride um, events. I am at this point just a volunteer. I stepped back, you know, I have a, a graduating senior 
and you know like i mentioned earlier a freshman in high school so i wanted to shift my focus this year so i've stepped down as a director but i am still very much involved whenever i can um cool. but absolutely please follow us you know um oclgbt pride um we host lots of different community events one of my which is one of my favorite things because again going back to community you know that's where a lot of our focus has always been and um you know, so you'll see me around for those different things, and I'm sure I'll be around for this next festival and parade as well. Cool. Um, well, to end, what we since we are big into how mental health and community really just rely on each other so much, I'm curious for you, what's an example in the last couple of weeks where you really felt connected to your community? You know, I am on a project right now that. Um, I haven't been on in a while, and I'm getting a chance to bring back some of those small things that I've incorporated in how I teach and lead here at work, and I've gotten to do that again, and mm. it's, again, to have people come up to me and say, thank you, I needed that. That's been the biggest thing that I've been able to get that sense of community back again for me. Um, in the last week so it's been pretty amazing um awesome yeah awesome well thank you again kane um hopefully we'll have you back again soon um and um yeah if there's got to be a way to end this and now i'm starting to flood my words <laughs> um <laughs> but thank you thanks renee appreciate it thanks for joining us if you're in California and looking for a therapist, visit our website at OpenSpaceTherapyCollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists. If you're enjoying My Therapist Is Out, please rate, review, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. My Therapist Is Out is an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. Our therapists are Renee Johnson, Kristen Crow, Debbie White, Jenny Nigro, and Tara Friedman. Our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio. We'd love to hear from you about today's topic, so you can email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at My Therapist Is Out and Open Space Therapy Collective. Thanks for listening.